Welcome. You're listening to sermons and talks from Providence Church in Brisbane. We believe that God speaks to us through His Word, the Bible. So we pray that as you listen, you'll be encouraged and challenged to love Jesus and live for Him. For more information about Providence Church, please visit our website, www.providencechurch.com. As again, it'll be Romans chapter 8, 18 to 37. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who are the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but the hope that is seen is no hope at all. For hope what, uh, who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do, not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through the wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the minds of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own Son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Jesus Christ, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Father, we do thank you for your word, and we do thank you that you speak to us through it. And now, Lord, as we uh, hear from you, may you settle our hearts, open our minds and our ears and our hearts to to you and to uh, your spirit at work in us. And may we uh, listen to it intently, but also want to um, respond to it, be be convicted of it, so that we can live lives that do honor and please you. And we pray this in your son's name. Amen. Uh, Who here has a Netflix account? So that's a, like, a, 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 like 80%. Who here uses their friend's Netflix account? So that's why, no, you don't need to, you don't need to admit that. Uh, one of the things that, um, uh, 
that I realized in this last year, uh, you guys know I like watching Netflix. One of my hobbies is to watch movies. Uh, if I could be a movie critic, I'd love to be one and get paid for that. Uh, instead, I started a podcast and, uh, and just you know, pretended to be a movie critic on that instead. But you can find out more about the podcast if you ask me later. In the last year, what we realized due to the global pandemic, though, is we've seen less in the cinemas and more people uh, watching stuff on their screens at home, haven't we? Because of the global pandemic, uh, we've been stuck at home and, and streaming services like Netflix, Disney+, Plus, Amazon Prime, um, all, all the subscriber you know, rates have, have really risen. Now, I'm just going to talk about Netflix because I'm a Netflix user, but in the first six months of 2020, it was crazy. Netflix got 25 million new subscribers in the first six months of 2020. Uh, the total amount of Netflix subscribers hit around 200 million, and they made about $25 billion in 2020. That's crazy, right? It was the year for streaming services, wasn't it? It was lockdown year. Everyone was stuck at home. And, and I'm not surprised, but I, wow, I am surprised. $25 billion, 200 million people paid to watch Netflix. And think about how many more people are using their friend's account to watch Netflix, too. It's more than 200 million, I'm sure. But why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you be at home watching Netflix? You know, we all had to work hard even amongst the pandemic. We all felt tired. We had Zoom fatigue. You know, we all uh, had to work from home, exercise from home. We didn't have a social life. So Netflix was the answer for everyone. You're right. It was, it was our not-so-guilty pleasure. And for me, you know, I've, I've been on Netflix for a while now. It's cheap entertainment. <laughs> Let's be honest. It's cheaper than going to the cinemas, the theater, even the cover charge for the nightclub. It's cheaper to watch Netflix at home. Now, call me a homebody, but that's what I do. I invite friends over, we watch movies. Uh, many of you have come over to watch movie nights, at, uh, to have movie nights at our place, but uh, that's what we do. That's what I do. And I like to justify, you know, I, I watch Netflix to, as well for my own personal research. I watch documentaries, I learn about pop culture, what's hot, what's not. But if I'm honest with myself, if I'm honest with myself, am I just watching Netflix to, for the entertainment's sake, or am I watching Netflix, and maybe this is something the pandemic has shown me, am I watching Netflix because I just want to escape? I just want to escape into uh, the world of entertainment. You know, we're all at home, and we're feeling a bit miserable, and we're looking for an outlet, looking for something that will comfort us, and so we binge watch Netflix. We, we binge series like the Tiger King documentary or the Queen's Gambit, or if you were me in 2020, you watched a lot of Korean dramas, which is, um, I'm unashamed, you know, I'm unashamed of that, but, you know, you never thought you'd watch it, you know? Uh, I am a grown man, and I am, you know, born in a Western culture, but Korean dramas are actually really good. You should watch some of them. Um, but here's the thing, right? Uh, after stressful hours at work and feeling the discomfort of life, don't you just want to lose yourself in a TV series? What were you doing last year during the pandemic? Or what, have, what do you do when you look for comfort? Where do you usually turn to when you feel like life is a struggle? When you're feeling really low and you need to escape? What is it that brings you comfort, even if it's temporary? You might think a hug will solve all your problems. I just need a hug, a cuddle from a loved one, and you know, everything will go away. All the hardships of life, if I just get a hug, you know, sickness, depression, cancer, there's nothing on me if I get a hug. Just a cuddle. Or you might find your escape in books, going to that fantasy world, hoping that the stories you read will mean you won't have to deal with today. Or instead of Netflix, maybe it's countless hours on YouTube or TikTok or online shopping, hoping that 30% discount will give you comfort as you deal with the existential crisis you're having. If I told you there was something even better than hugs, Netflix, and, and TikTok to bring you comfort, would you believe me? 
Today I want us to hear this. Uh, for the Christian, there is a comfort that you can have that's solid and secure, even with the sufferings and struggles we face today, because there's a, because there's a, a God who is with us, a God who loves us, and there's a future hope for us. That's what we're going to see in this passage in Romans 8, in the second half of Romans 8. So the first thing I want us to see is how, that this passage shares with us is that the world is broken, and there is a lot of suffering in this world, but we can be comforted knowing there will be a future hope and a future glory to come. Let's read it again from verse 18. You have to have your Bibles with you to follow along with me. So open it up at eight, verse 18 and keep it open. Let me read it again. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to its present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies, for in this hope we were saved. I'm going to stop there. We sang that song earlier, Creation Awaits right? And it's echoing everything here in Romans 8. Paul is continuing on. Uh, in the last section of Romans 8, he talked about how you and I who are Christians, we've been made sons and daughters of God. Through the Spirit of God, we've been adopted into God's family, right? And if we are adopted into God fa God's family, we are co-heirs with Christ. And if Christ has suffered in this life, then we can't well, we, we, we shouldn't be surprised if suffering is also part of our narrative as well. The Christian life isn't one that is devoid of struggles and hardships. If Christ our Lord has suffered, we'll face sufferings as well. And, the whole, and we shouldn't be surprised because everyone suffers, even the Christian, even creation itself. And that's what this section is talking about. The world is broken. Creation has been subjected to frustration. It's groaning. It says it's groaning like the pains of childbirth. I don't know what that feels like, but it sounds like it's painful. And what we experience and the world around us is experiencing is the consequences, really, of humanity's sin in this world. We feel the brokenness of sin. We feel the decay, the deterioration, right? Even if you're, uh, we, all, we all know what that feels like, getting older and getting slower and having a sore back when you wake up in the mornings. Sure, some of you guys gym a lot and you feel stronger and bigger, but, you know, every day your body is actually, is actually deteriorating. It's sad. I'm sad about that sometimes. But we all feel it, don't we? We all feel the sufferings under the weight of sin in this world. The world isn't how it was designed to be. Uh, we can look around and, 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 and we feel this frustration because there shouldn't be anxiety. There shouldn't be depression. There shouldn't be loneliness. There shouldn't be discontentment. There shouldn't be cancer or COVID that takes our loved ones away. Everyone can see that there's something wrong with the world. There's, these, uh, there's a lot of documentaries being released these days, especially on Netflix as well, and it's flooding our, our TV screens, telling us that creation itself is feeling the weight of human sin. And they don't call it human sin. They just say there's something wrong with the world and we need to look in the mirror, right? The problem is with us. Any documentary on nature will have that, ad that agenda, and it finishes with this. It finishes with the idea that we need to save the world, and if the, we're going to save the world, it's going to be up to us. Now, this last week, I don't know if you, saw, uh, if you follow me on Instagram, but I, I talked about how um, I watched that documentary, Seaspiracy. I don't know if you've seen it yet, but it's a new one. 
And it's all about how uh, the human impact on the ocean. And it's crazy, right? It talks about how you know, we, we're all worried about single-use plastics, which is good and all. We should be worried about single-use plastics. But it shows that it's actually fishing nets that account for 46% per of the plastics in the water. And it actually and then moves on to how our consumption of fish is killing the ocean and, and throws out this claim that by 2048, the whole ocean will be empty. It's really confronting. Now, you should fact-check all this stuff. You know, documentaries are always trying to, to create more fear, but you know, it's, it's confronting, the impact that we have on the ocean. You have to watch it, but the take-home point is this. Do we realize what humanity is doing to creation? Do we realize that actually, it's, as a Christian, it's our sin, that there's a brokenness in our world, and even creation feels that brokenness. Even our oceans feel that brokenness. And you're listening to this, and you're watching the sea spiritually, if you, if you do get to watch it, and you're thinking this, Romans 8.20, creation has been subjected to frustration due to our sin and the curse it's under, the curse of sin. It won't be free from that curse until, what does it say, until uh, the, the sons and daughters of God will be revealed, that there's a, a day when everything will be made new, when Jesus returns and all things will be renewed. Our bodies will see renewal. Creation awaits that day. Now, it's interesting because I was talking to my friend about this, uh, about Sea Spirits. So he watched it. He told me to watch it. Uh, and he's, he's uh, meat-free, so he's a, he's a vegan. And uh, he's been telling me to go vegan for a long time as well. But I said to him, uh, you know, that might be part of the answer. Stop eating meat and all that sort of stuff and fish. And, and, and that's good and all. But even if Sea Spiracy and Cowspiracy and all those documentaries telling us, you know, we should stop eating meat, would the world be better? I asked him that question. Because I was thinking to myself, isn't there still greed and poverty and hatred in this world? There will still be death that comes for every animal, every creature, nature itself. All of, you know, even if all of humanity stopped eating meat, would the world be better? Everyone will have to face death one day. The world is still under the curse of sin and brokenness. And through our conversation, my friend had to admit, yeah, sure, veganism might be good and helpful and all, but isn't, it isn't the answer alone because all of humanity has a problem. We are all guilty for the way the world is. And the reason why I'm a Christian, I said to him, is this. There's a future glory and a future hope I can hold on to where everything will be renewed. It'll be greater than the sufferings we have to endure today. There'll be restoration that we can look forward to because we are sons and daughters of God. We are co-heirs with Christ. And one day they'll be revealed. That childbirth analogy is really good because, uh, you know, after childbirth is painful. I'm sure it is. But uh, it, once it's over, there's joy. There's new life. And so creation uh, will one day see that new life. It will see that renewal that God does in our world, in our universe. So as Christians, this is really important. We don't actually believe in annihilation. You know, we, we think about the world ending. It doesn't mean the world's going to be completely annihilated, destroyed, but rather everything's going to be renewed and restored to, to, to glory. In the meantime, we patiently wait in this world for that future. We hold on to that future hope as Christians, which, which comforts us in the present. There will be a liberation for our creation. There, will be, there, won't, be, there won't be frustration. There'll be fulfillment. And I can't imagine how good they'll be. I'm already in so much awe. When I go out into nature, when I see them, the mountains and the oceans, when I'm surrounding nature, there's already so much awe. But to consider a world that isn't under frustration but flourishing as God designed, it's un unimaginable, isn't it? Now, it's so interesting because when we set our, our mind and our hearts on that future hope, then the way we look at today's world is, is going to change. It's undoubtedly going to change. For the Christian, our experiences of this world, all the good stuff we enjoy, that's only a foretaste 
It's, it's, it's going to be so much better than this. Whatever we, we, whatever we think the good life is today, it's, it's going to be so far better when God restores and renews this, world, renews this world. We can't, don't settle for this illusion. You see, for the, for the non-believer, the experience of this world is going to be the closest they'll ever get to heaven. But for the believer, this is the closest we'll ever get to hell. Do you, do you realize that? We're experiencing the brokenness of our sin in this current present time. Our world feels it, but the world to come, man, that's going to be far grander, far majestic than anything we've ever beheld in this lifetime. Hold on to that future hope as you go through the rough times in this life. Yearn for that greater kingdom to come. So find comfort in the future hope. But the second thing that, that Paul shows us is comfort can be found in God with us through His Spirit. Verse 26, let's read it. It says this, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through world, wordless groans. And He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Now, there's already a comfort knowing that we can pray, right? Christians know we can pray to God. God listens to us. He's our Father. We can come to Him in our hardships, in our struggles. He's there. And there's a comfort in prayer with community, isn't there? We know in church community here, to have a brother or sister you can share your life to, we can pray for one another, and hopefully you guys are doing that here at Providence. You guys are praying for one another. There's a comfort there. But the amazing, the amazing thing about being a Christian is this. The triune God, right? God, Trinity, God, God's Spirit is living in us and prays on our behalf, it says. Have you ever felt at the bottom of the barrel, right, scraping the bottom of the barrel, feeling at your worst, and you, just, and you want to pray, but you just don't have the words? You don't know what to say? You know, God, I know you're listening. I need help. I don't know what exactly I need, but you know my heart. Help. God here says the Spirit is with us. He searches our hearts and prays on our behalf. He knows what our needs are. Or maybe it's not that you're at a loss for words, but instead you're, you're sometimes finding that your, your prayers are just so, so superficial. Yeah, you'll, you'll pray for the good health, you'll pray for your, you know, your exams, you'll pass your exams, you'll get that promotion at work. And then you just pray those prayers like on repeat, like, you're, like it's on replay. Yeah, yeah, sure, pray for our circumstances to be good, but have you considered what it's like to actually pray deeper and richer prayers alongside the Bible, rich biblical prayers? You know, the Spirit actually helps us in our weakness to acknowledge there are grander things as God's people to be praying for. I, I don't know about you when you pray out loud. Uh, for me, I don't know where I start and then where I'm going to finish, right? I just start something and then it just... And then I just but then I, I realize as I'm praying, the Spirit is helping me pray words of the Bible. Like but the Bible verses are coming to my head and I start praying that out loud. Has that ever been your experience? And sometimes I think about this passage here, the Spirit prays on our behalf. When we tap into the Spirit of God in our prayers, we're not simply just praying for our immediate circumstances. We're not just praying for our desires. We pray actually alongside God's plans and purposes, the will of God, it says, for the gospel in our lives, to grow in, through, and amongst us. And when we pray in Jesus' name, wow, you know what's happening there? Jesus as well, as well as interceding for us. We pray in Jesus' name so He can bring our prayers to God the Father. We have the, the Spirit in us and the, and the Son interceding for us and the Father listening to us. The triune God is present there in our... God is with us when we pray. Find that comfort. Find the comfort there that God gives us through that daily grace that we can approach Him with confidence and that His Spirit is with us praying on our behalf. I know it's hard in those moments. 
I know it's hard to pray because the suffering can feel so debilitating. The pain hurts. The anxiety, the depression, it can be so loud. The loneliness can be so overwhelming, but you're not alone. The Spirit is with you, praying on your behalf. That's a promise God gives us as God's children, as a Christian. It's one of the many privileges we have. He cares enough for us that He doesn't leave us on our own. We have a helper, the Spirit, who is always with us. But the third thing that can bring us comfort is the deep security that we can have, that knowing God's love for us, that even the bad turns out for good when we know the best is yet to come. Like, it's so powerful. This is one of my favorite parts of the Bible. Verse 28 says this, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn born among many brothers and sisters. And those He predestined, He also called. Those He called, He also justified. Those He justified, he also glorified. Friends, this is so powerful. It's so powerful because it's a promise that literally transforms the way we see things in life. Good things in life, bad things in life, the mountains, the valleys, the successes, the failures, the fun parts, the hard parts. For those who love Him, those who have been called by Him, those who call God, God, Jesus their Savior, the Spirit their helper, for the Christian, you have this promise that we can be secure we can be assured, we can have confidence with God who has got our back. He will work all things out for good. Friends, we don't put our hope and comfort in, in fate and chance. You know, I, I stopped saying a long time ago, good luck, because I don't believe in luck. God has all things planned out. And that's what providence itself means, right? Providence, the word it means God governs all things. He has already foreordained the days to come. We don't believe in chance. Those things will never make us feel secure. Comfort has nothing to hold on to. But our hope is in something solid. A good and great God who we call Father, who has worked out all things for our good and His glory. Our comfort is in His providential plan. Now notice, he's not saying suffering itself is good. Don't go looking for suffering or anything like that. The things that happen aren't always good, but he works them out for good. Difficulties suck, yeah. Struggles and hardships, suffering, loneliness, it sucks. But he's saying, be realistic. This is the world we live in. Our world is on a trajectory of decay. There is suffering in this world. There will be tsunamis that come where over 230,000 people may die. There'll be a global pandemic where over 3 million people will die. The creation is suffering, and our humanity, our very lives, aren't going to be immune to suffering. It's not going to be immune to hardship, and none of us are going to be able to, 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 to fight death. We'll all face it, and it's a sign of a world that's under the sting of sin. And yes, while it'll be hard to face that in life, and that there'll be people around us that will pass away, and we might not be able to achieve all that we wanted to achieve in this life, we might have tons of regret in this life, all the, all the crap that life throws at us, know that even though it might suck for a period, there'll be good to come. God has planned out all things to, to, for good. For those who know God, for those who love God, if not in this life, then in the next. 
I'm not trying to sound cynical and pessimistic. I know you guys know me and you know that I'm a pessimistic person. That life is going to be hard, so suck it up. I'm not trying to say that, right? I'm saying have a realistic view on life. Have a realistic view on the world around us. The reality is when things do go well, when things do go well, the Christian is able to say, praise the Lord. If anything goes well, you'll be praising God. But if anything goes bad, you won't be shocked. We won't be shocked because what else should we expect from the brokenness of our world? The world is decaying. It is stained by sin. The world isn't held together by, by calm or what we do. It's held together by God. It's all of God. It's all by His grace. Now, now let me say something here because there's, this, there's a huge poison in some churches that take this verse 28 out of context and they say, just love God and you'll be good. Just love God and you'll be, good things will come your way. They promise that if you just persevere through the bad stuff now, you'll see God will bless you with something amazing. You want a wife, a husband? Oh, don't worry. Just go through this hardship of singleness and persevere. God will give you a spouse one day. He has it all planned out for your good. That's what they say. They use verse 28. Oh, you really want money to drive a nice car and buy a nice house? Don't worry. Get through this time of struggle and hustle and God will work it all out for your good. Thinking that God will, 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 will respond to you as if it's the law of attraction or something like that. Uh, what is happening is that this Bible verse is being used to promise that good circumstances will come your way if you just keep loving God. It's as if there was uh, this, these invisible scales. I don't know if you can imagine that. Invisible scales, right? If you just do enough, you can balance out those scales and, go, and things will go out, turn out your way, the way you want it. That idea isn't biblical. It, it's this thing that we've got it in our mind that we're entitled to the things going right for us. And I'm going to call it Western privilege because in the West, we think we have this privilege that everything needs to go right for us in this lifetime. That good circumstances will be guaranteed to us after we get through the hardship. It's all the inspirational talks tell us, right? All the empowerment talks. But is that how the world works? All the time? It might, but all the time. We can't promise that. And we can't put on some sort of Christian uh, facade saying, oh, God will do that for you. Because the world we live in is fading away. Things do die. Things will fall and fail, regardless of whatever effort you put in. Because the world is under a curse. Is God saying, if you love me, you'll always have good circumstances in this life? He's not. Look at the Apostle Paul who wrote this letter for us. Paul the Apostle. He ended up in prison and martyred for his faith. We have to read this verse 28 in the context of verse 29. What does verse 29 say? For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. Think about this. Our good, what God wants good for us, our good is that through the life of struggle we have, that we've been called and predestined to, we'll be conformed more and more to the image of His Son, Jesus. We're going to talk about this idea of predestination because I know it gets to a lot, it gets... It's hard, you know, and we're going to talk about it in chapter 9 next week. But for now, see that God is working for our good to be more like Jesus. And Jesus himself, he suffered, didn't he, in this world? Rejected, despised, he didn't have a home to sleep in at some points. Think about it. What if the good that God wants for us in our lives, and he'll work all things out for good, verse 28. What if that good is actually to make us more like Jesus? To have a character like Jesus. 
So what if we reread verse 28 in this light? It means that everything that happens to us is working out for our good. What does that mean? It means it's working out for our, our sanctification, which means, you know, the maturing in holiness. It means it's working out for, 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 for our glorification one day, that we'll be in heaven one day with God. Everything is working together, so we'll be conformed to the likeness of Jesus. Why do I say this? Because back in chapter 5, do you remember what it said there about suffering? Suffering isn't senseless. Suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, character hope. Do you guys remember that in Romans 5? You see here in 8 verse 28, the good God was always working for us is, is character change. He's making us more loving, more true, wise, strong, good, patient, faithful, generous, joyful, and kind like Jesus is. What if that's the good God is working? It's not our circumstances, it's our character that God is working for our good. So you and I who are living out our faith, following Jesus, loving and glorifying God, we can find comfort knowing that there'll be a new, renewed creation to come where there'll be joy, where there'll be no more pain and suffering, where we'll be sons and daughters of God. That's the destination for us. But like the rest of creation, we have to go through the thorns and the bristles of life before we see that realized. The best is yet to come, friends. I really love it how uh, C.S. Lewis, he's the author of Narnia books, you know, he puts it this way, God will make the feeblest and filthiest of us into a god or goddess, like sons and daughters, dazzling, radiant, immortal creature, pulsating, it all, pulsating all through with such energy and joy and wisdom and love as we cannot now imagine, a bright, stainless mirror which reflects back to God his own boundless power and delight and goodness. The process will be long and in parts very painful, but that is what we are in for, nothing less. He meant what He said. That's such a powerful quote. We have to actually focus on what is, what is to come. The best is yet to come. And isn't that so comforting, regardless of whatever present circumstances we might be facing? Life is hard, yes, but even in the struggle and hustle and the sufferings we face, God's love is present. We might not be able to see the outcome of what might seem senseless suffering to us now. But when we realize this, there is a removal of fear and anxiety when we know that God has got our backs, even when life goes wrong for us from our perspective. There's a security, isn't there? We can be secure in our salvation, in our status, because we have a God who is faithful to His promises. Verse 30, And those He predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. See how God works in the life of the believer, of the Christian. See the one who is behind our salvation to the point of our final glorification. Glorification, what that, that means? It means we'll be made new, we'll be glorified. It's a picture of being in God's presence in the new heavens and the, the new earth. And isn't it so interesting that glorified here is in the past tense? He has glorified us. That means we can have a security in this promise. None of these words stand in isolation, do they? If we're called, we're predestined. If we're predestined, we're going to be justified. If we're justified, we're going to be glorified. Uh, it's what many people, and I've said it before, the golden chain of salvation. Okay, When I say that, it means you can't break it. it it's all linked together. God won't predestine you without glorifying you. There's a continuation there that's unbreakable. And I, and I envision myself this golden chain in my head. If, uh, if, you, if you have, you know, if you imagine it, 
Uh, I, I think often when, I, you know, when you're a kid and you make those paper chains, did you guys ever do that as a kid, arts and crafts? You, make, you staple all this paper, these paper, strips of paper, you link them together, and you, you arrest your friend with it, and you say, you're under arrest, you can't move. You know? And then they just sort of you know, move their arms, and it all rips, and then you waste all this paper, and you think, man, I just killed a tree, and you feel really bad about it for the rest of your life. That's what you do, right, as a kid. You waste all this paper, but you're thinking about this paper chain. But this is a golden chain of salvation. It's unbreakable, and that's what I'm imagining right now. I just went on a rant about it. But if God is in the saving business, right? If God is in the saving business, he's not going to do it half-assed, is he? He's going to call you. And if he calls you, he's going to justify you. And if he's going to justify you, he's going to complete the work that he begins in you. He'll carry it on to completion because he's a faithful and loving God. This chain of salvation is unbreakable because God is behind it, behind our salvation and ultimately our glorification. This is in God's character. This is the God we know and worship. He will be with us. He will remain faithful to us. It's not about how strong our faith is because it's actually about how strong God's faith is to us. And you know what? We've seen that expressed to us in His deep love. That last part that we read in in chapter 8. I'll read from verse 34. He expresses how great and deep His love is. From verse 34. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. How beautiful is that? You'll find no greater security in this lifetime than the security that comes from God's love to you in Christ Jesus. The love of God can't be magnified any more than it has been at the cross. Our very sin has been removed because of Jesus' sacrifice for us. That's great love. That's amazing grace. Yes, your circumstances might be really hard. He talks about hardship here, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, and the sword. He talks about all those things because they're real things that the first generation of Christians experienced. Now, I don't know what kind of sufferings you're going to face in this life or already have faced. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we heard from yeah, and our sister, she got baptized and she shared about her cancer at 23 years old. Some of us have lost loved ones. Some of us uh, have to figure out our faith. Some of us have to figure out owning our faith when our family says they'll disown you for following Jesus. You might be suffering. You might want answers. You might want deliverance. You might want the hurting to stop. But God says, even amidst all the sufferings, you can have this security, you can find a comfort, knowing that the God, knowing that the God who has loved you in Jesus, the God who has loved you through sending His Son to die on the cross for your sin and my sin, that God has got your back, and He'll ultimately work out all things for your good, to make you more like His Son, Jesus. Nothing, death nor life, angels, demons, not height nor death, nothing can separate us from that love that he has for us in Jesus. Hold on to this truth, friends. If you don't have an eternal view in mind, 
that the future is much better than today, man, you're going to bail on Christianity the moment things get hard, the moment things get uncomfortable. Embrace this not only in your head, but embrace it in your heart. It's so crucial you understand God's providential character and His love for you and for me. Only then will you have a deep security in your status as His child. Only then will you be confident in the gospel and the promises of future hope. Only then will you have an unwavering comfort, security, because Christ has done the greatest act of love through taking the suffering we deserved and defeated death on our behalf. While others might put their hope and try to find their comfort in their circumstances improving, uh, a comfortable and secure life, perhaps retiring early, having good health and wealth, for the Christian, our comfort is in something far more secure and eternal and lasting. It's in God. The other stuff the world is chasing after that pales in comparison. It is tempting to get the temporary fix, the temporary comfort, you know, from from Netflix shows or, or going on holidays or whatever it might be, but those come and go. There is comfort to be found, sure, but the comfort is gone in the blink of an eye, isn't it? Last week I went away for seven days and, and it was a, it was great for my rest and refreshment, but holidays always eventually have to end. They're only ever just an escape from the woes and worries of this world. Let me encourage you to look to God when life is good and when life is hard. Remain faithful. Remain prayerful. It's time to change our prayers, not just to ask God to change and make our circumstances better. It's time to ask God to have more of Jesus in our lives. Because the more we see the greatness of Jesus, the more we'll see His glory, the more we'll see the joy and security that we have in the eternal life that awaits us. Friends, I find this so powerful because when we become Christians, when we embrace the promises of God and when we trust Him, we trust Him with absolutely everything. And guess what? Triumph or disaster, good or bad, we treat them both the same, viewing them as circumstances that God will work in and through for our ultimate good. If you're not a Christian here today, I want you to know you've got every opportunity to come to God and call Him Father too. You're not here by accident. It was God that brought you here. And He invites you into a relationship with Him as well. To know Jesus as your Savior. Jesus' death on the cross is sufficient for you as well. But for us who put our faith in Him, we can have these promises. We can find comfort in this powerful God, the God of providence, who has promised a world that will be restored and renewed. A God who gives us His Spirit that walks with us through suffering and hardship. And this God who works out all things for our good in love. We can find security and comfort in that. This last week, one of our members, uh, Eunice, she started a new blog. If It's a secret. Now everyone knows. But she started a new blog this last week, and uh, she posts about what she writes about. She, um, she talks about the struggle when it comes to decisions and regrets in life. And it's natural, isn't it? We all want to take the easy road that gives us fulfillment and satisfaction, yet we also don't know what path to take and whether this path or that path will, will be filled with regret and disappointment. No one wants to go through pain and suffering. And so we want to control our destiny, don't we? By making the right decision, if there is a right decision, and minimizing, minimizing any pain, giving us a full sense of satisfaction, knowing that we'll get what we set out to do. Knowing what is right or wrong, that decision can be paralyzing, can't it? Where do you look for comfort when you don't want to live with regret? She comes to this conclusion. We serve a God who is sovereign. He knows our past, and He's very aware of the pain and suffering, as well as the joy and encouragements we all face in this life. And so whatever path we take, He will work it out for our good 
making us more like His Son in the process. Friends, hold on to the comfort Romans 8 gives us, that amidst all of life, in all things, we can trust God because we have a God who has promised us future glory, and we can be totally secure and assured of that through His great love shown to us in Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we do thank You for the gospel, that in Jesus, Lord, we have uh, the hope of restoration and renewal. The creation awaits for that, Lord, and we're so uh, and, we, and we wait in anticipation of it as well. Lord, we do pray that you will be uh, our God that we, that we, that we trust, uh, that we know, that we'll be comforted by, knowing that you, you love us. Lord, remind us of that. Help us to be uh, Christians uh, who will walk faithfully trusting that your plan is good. And even if it's hard at times, Lord, even if we're suffering and struggling, Lord, we'll be able to trust you, knowing that everything will work, work out for our good. Help us to find comfort in, in you, Lord, and not in the, uh, in the things of this world that are just temporary fixes, but help us to find that solid foundation that is in the gospel that will, that will give us hope, and give us security, knowing that we have a God who loves us deeply as we've seen it in Christ. We do pray for this, Lord, in your Son's name. Amen.